get ready to ride Russ and the rest are gonna light up the sky Broncos live coming to you from not the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax and York, but still coming to you from beautiful downtown Denver, Colorado in, I think, well, downtown, maybe a, a liberal use of the term, but mostly, uh, mostly downtown Denver. Well, at least, at least Denver. Yeah. Very much Denver, not Denver Metro. You know what I found out guys? And this blows, I still don't believe it, but a friend that works for, the town of Greeley uh, dealing with these type of things told me that Denver metro area consists of Boulder and Fort Collins. Fort Collins. I'm like, what? No, no, no. Denver. Sure. If we want to include Arvada, Aurora, Westminster. Okay. I get it. That's kind of the metro area, but Ryan, I love, I love Boulder. Obviously I love Fort Collins, but those are separate cities. Yeah, definitely not part of the Denver metro area. And I wouldn't even allow Westminster to be a part of that. To me, that's part of like the Boulder metro area. Um, oh, really true. So anyway, also uh, Castle Rock. People say Castle I mean, Rock is part of the Denver yeah. metro area. Just in- include that in the Springs. Keep that. Keep that. I was going to say to me, like Castle Rock, Colorado Springs, same place. Yeah. yeah when, does, too. <laughs> when does it matter what's in the metro area? I think just with right like now. population size. Yeah. And right now, I don't oh. really, I, I kind of just want Denver to be Denver. Let's actually just let like Fort Collins have uh, Arvada and Broomfield and Westminster can be Boulder and Denver, just Denver, except yeah, for yeah. the airport. We're going to, we're going to keep the airport. They can have the airport. <laughs> I don't I mean, it's the like, airport. especially, and I realize this is wrong, but this is, this is my like personal experience of Colorado because I've lived in two places full time. You have Denver, you have Boulder, you have North, you have South, and you have East. <laughs> so, so you wouldn't say, you wouldn't say I'm going West to Boulder. You just say I'm going to Boulder. It's like it, it's like anything North. That's just Northern Colorado. Anything East. That's just Eastern Colorado. Anything South. That's just Southern Colorado. So when people are like, "What direction is California?" You're like, "Oh, it's it's toward Boulder, just a little past Boulder." <laughs> oh, also you have just the mountains, the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Which of course is west. I don't know how people tell directions if they don't have clear and obvious mountains that are to the west. They don't. They just don't. <laughs> people that don't live in places where the mountains are directly to the west don't use directions as a way of getting places. They're like. Don't use the compass as a way of getting places. I mean, because they're not like head like... south on 23rd Street. They're like, just turn oh, left. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's even like <laughs> even like having a beach in your town is isn't that helpful, because unless you can see the beach and you know that's west or east. But if you're like three blocks in from the beach, you don't know where the beach is, like the mountains. No, you, you can just tell look wherever. where the water is. But that's what I'm saying. You can't tell where the water is three blocks in. I think you can. You just look the further there's you no look, like it goes forever. Yeah, but it's where there's no buildings. You just know there's water underneath. Well, how many <laughs> cities and towns are there where there's no buildings three blocks in from the water? There's going to be buildings. 
I don't know where exactly you are when you're talking about this. Like, it, there's a bunch of, there's one city around that you can't see out of, but then there's nothing else. Wait, what? What? I'm just talking How about, like, about? isn't there, like, you know, beach towns? There's, like, yeah. you know, blocks where there's houses and trees where you can't see, like, three blocks away. Huh. Well, if you think about it, most things are above the ocean. So, usually you're looking down to the ocean. Uh, hmm. Oh my! And like, oh, okay. If you're in San Francisco, yes, you can see the ocean probably from wherever Same you are. LA. I don't think it just like you immediately just hit like you know thirty feet of elevation once you're like ten feet away. When you leave the beach, you're walking uphill. Slightly, slightly. You probably are walking uphill, or else it probably would be a beach for a very long time. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So usually you can just look out and you say, "Oh, there's the horizon where the water is. That's west." Well, so, Ryan, I was trying to or give you this example to help you out, say how you need mountains to tell directions. And now, as I'm trying to help you out, you're trying to tear me down. What are we doing here? I don't know. Uh, I also, <laughs> while, I'm, while I'm on the uh, topic of tearing you down, I would like everyone to know oh, that boy. today's delay of game presented by Zach Stevens. It's, true. it's a great it's moment true. for me and Henry. It's true. great moment yeah, for me and Henry. I'll take it. It was uh, I was taking care of my teeth at the dentist, had to get x-rays, which I didn't really plan into that time. So that was literally like mm. the seven minutes extra. I think I got sat down at like 10.07. So that one's on me, but my teeth are in good shape. And speaking of you tearing me down, but I'm going to flip it around on you, Henry. I made you proud. I made yeah. you proud. I covered the 34 and a half point spread <laughs> and it was easy. I, I actually didn't need, you know, like a, a drive with 50 seconds left in order to cover it. What was it? 35, 14. Yeah. I thought it was kind of a lame strategy from you. <laughs> um, his strategy was just get, take the longest I possibly can on every drive. Even though he was down by like 21 points, he was still running the clock inside 10 seconds. To be fair, uh, to trash. be fair, the first quarter, Ryan went down, scored right away. Yeah, we all knew that was coming. But then I went and put together a very long drive, but it scored a touchdown. So I wasn't just doing this, you know, just to waste time. It was actually my my best chance of well, covering the spread for sure, but then also maybe winning. But I really knew that wasn't the case. But you're right. You know, when there was uh, two minutes left, I just want to make sure I cover that spread. But, hey, I still had 13 and a half points. Mm-hmm. Yep, you did. You did. I, I'm just saying, like, every play you had the whole game, you took it down to, like, 10 seconds in, in, in the uh, play clock. That was just me. I was just Peyton Manning in the game. I was just manipulating the line, you know, checking things that I always had something safe because I knew where you would cover the spread easily is if I went out and threw, like, seven interceptions. And I typically do that. So I always made sure – that I had a safety valve, and I still threw a couple of interceptions, but it wasn't seven. All right, fair enough. Speaking of interceptions, mm. Pat Sertan, um, who should be the king of interceptions, but no one's ever going to throw at him the rest of his career, so mm -hmm. um, who knows how many of those will be. And so the question is, should the Broncos be working to get the ball into his hands in other ways, considering the other team ref will refuse to throw at him? Boy, when you set it up like that, it sounds like, yeah, you should definitely get your best player, maybe your most athletic player, maybe most dynamic player on the team, the ball more. So when you put it like that, I'm sold. I think if I would have posed that question to you guys, you probably would have said, 
Yeah, I'm open to that until you say in the form of a punt returner. That's where I think Ryan definitely sours. Henry might sour a little bit. I don't I don't sour really, though. Uh, my thing is that at this point, I'm willing to just agree with whatever Sean Payton wants to do. Like, it's a full-on honeymoon phase, and it's the strongest honeymoon phase <laughs> it could be because that's a Hall of Fame coach. And if the Hall of Fame coach says, uh, I don't know how many points we're getting out of this offense, we need a spark back there. Eh. Until something goes wrong, I, I'm willing to I'm willing to just follow what he says. Henry, I have I have to step in right now because when you were saying all of that, it just reminded me of the trust in John plan that or not plan, but kind of phrase that was around Denver, specifically right after the Broncos won the Super Bowl 50 in 2015, really that 2016 offseason. There's some drama with Von Miller. It was like, just trust in John, trust in John Elway. I think the phrase is in Elway, we trust. In, okay. with yeah, well, I definitely do. So in Elway, we trust is what the motto was because he was at that point, he was on track to be a Hall of Fame general manager as well as a Hall of Fame player. And obviously that didn't go well, but I do agree with you. Um, just what Sean Payton has done has got so much up to this point, but just because he's done really well, that doesn't mean what he, everything he's going to do is going to be really well moving forward. And that's why I brought up the, the John Elway thing. Definitely. I mean, and the reason to be concerned for sure, but uh, they scored 15 points per game and I, I, it's going to be better this year. Like it has to be better this year. If, if that's what it takes to make it better, that's what it takes to make it better. And I think before we really get into the debate of this, because Henry, I lean more on your side for sure. Before we get into the debate, let's just hear exactly how this is being talked about from Sean Payton, uh, from special teams coordinator Ben Kutwika. And then we can also hear from Pat himself. But let's just, because I think it's important for everyone to understand how the coaches are talking about Pat in this role uh, before we talk about it. So let's hear from Sean first. This was last week right after we saw uh, Sean coaching up Pat Sertan on the punt return field as a punt returner during practice. We asked him about it after. Here's what Sean said. All of these guys are going to have roles, and, you know, you, you, you start asking questions and, and you start getting answers, and he did in high school. And so um, I want to know who we're going to if number one's not ready. I want to know, you know, if um, you, you want to – Get Look, there's 40, 53 in your roster, 47 game day. And if I need a gunner taken out of the game, then who better to do that than Patrick? That's what he does for a living. And, and so um, it's not just offense go over here, defense go over here, and the kicking game go over here. I watched Lawrence Taylor in a game at the Giants where they were winning – Pretty handily, and the team they were playing came back with a couple kick returns. And I watched Lawrence Taylor remove about five guys on the kick coverage unit and brought defensive players out and just lined them up and covered a kick. And that's when you got something. And so these are snaps. There's snaps in a game that are valuable. And so if Sertan can help us as a returner when needed, then uh, we'll have him ready, ready. 
Okay, so Pat Sertan is Lawrence Taylor. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I agree with you, Sean Payton, there. Um, but what was really interesting was he spent the first 50 seconds or 90% of that answer talking about kind of other things. And then he mentioned Pat Sertan in that part being, um, you know, if he needs to take out a gunner. And it's like, well, yep. that's not what a punt returner does. A punt returner is the one that's supposed to be avoiding the gunners, not actually be taking them out. So then I thought when I first heard that, I was like, did we just what was 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 uh, Sean Payton just coaching Pat Sertan to be a gunner, but he was just doing it from the punt returner position, so like he can see the whole field. But then he ended it off there with that: if we need Pat Sertan to be our punt returner, if we think he can help us, then he will. So he took a long time to say it, but he did acknowledge that they were exploring the idea of Pat Sertan potentially being a returner. So this off the top of your head. So he said, like, who's our number one guy? Like, who's our number two guy? Like, we've got 53 of them. What what number on the list is Pat Sertan? Like, oh, our top 12 returners are down. Now it's time to get Sertan <laughs> back there. Well, that's what I was going to say is this kind of goes against what Henry said is, like, I'll just trust in whatever Sean Payton wants. And the way you said that made me think you were saying, like, if he uh, he kind of wants him to be the punt returner. To me, this was just him saying, like, I just want, you know, to to – set the depth chart but he at no point in there did he say anything along the lines of pat's one of our most electric players he's one of our best players we should be exploring ways to get the ball in his hands i don't think sean payton wants uh pat sertan to return kick uh, punts at all i also totally understand pat sertan wanting to return punts of course he does he's a competitor he's a football player he is a guy who again rarely gets a chance to impact the game other than just being an eraser on one side of the field. So, of course, he's going to say, hey, give me the ball back there. Um, but this is just risk management. That's it, really all it boils down to is can Pat Sertan possibly add so much value to your special teams that it is worth the risk of him potentially getting injured playing that position? And the answer is an unequivocal and unarguable no it is not worth it there is no possible chance that his positive impact could be so worth it that it would outweigh the risk of losing him on defense and I don't even know how you could possibly I see you shaking your head Zach I don't know how you could possibly make a case against that so yeah you, you, would, have, you would have benched prime time yeah uh, it's a totally go, Henry. different time in the world a totally different time in the world um but okay. if you're asking me right now if i'm the coach and i have the exact replica of Dion sanders on my team uh zero percent chance of him returning funds for me that's one of the best zero. returners ever ah, yeah. I don't know yeah. yes it is one of the okay. best returners ever it's also the best cornerback ever and so the risk is not worth it Ryan, and, and I agree with you up into a point. I think it is about just the risk reward ratio here and return here. And just because a guy returns punts, and I think this is something that, that people kind of forget, um, not, not you, Ryan, but just people when they just see this in Amy, they go, no, 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 you can't risk that. How often do punt returners get hurt? I mean, how often did Dion get hurt doing that? How often did Champ Bailey get hurt when he was a punt returner uh, in Washington before he was traded to the Broncos? He did that in Washington, didn't do it with the Broncos. Dion had 100, no, Dion had 212 punt returns in his career. Now, you do risk 
a little bit more injury just because it's another snap out there. And maybe it is a little bit more risky than just one. It's not equal one-to-one, one cornerback snap, one punt return snap. But you're going to put Pat Sertan out there for over a thousand defensive snaps. If you're putting him out there, uh, let's see what Dion averaged in his career. If you're going to put him out there for, you know, 50 snaps at punt returner a year because he's your two number one, you know, 50 or 60, that's still such a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what he's going to be out there for defense. So it's not like a one-to-one where or it's not like it, when you put him out there, there's this huge risk of, of him getting hurt. You know, uh, one big difference between playing cornerback and playing returner? Uh, returner people are trying to tackle you. Corner, you're trying to tackle them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> also, you're staring into the sky as people are running full speed at you with no way of defending yourself. Yeah, but still, it's not like people are getting hurt every single play out there. I actually pulled up the numbers. People on are that. getting hurt every single play. Okay, I pulled up t- the numbers. tell me the numbers, Henry. So I couldn't find for the returner in particular, but you could find for the plays. So right now, 11 to 12% of plays in a game are punts or kickoffs, and about 7% of injuries happen on those plays. So you're less likely to get injured on a punt or kick return than on a normal play. The difference, though, is that the head and knee injuries are much more common. So you're about twice as likely to tear an ACL on a punter kick versus on a normal play. So it's the same as saying we'll play you for two defensive snaps instead of this one special team snap. That ends it right there. That's that's too much risk for you. You're twice as likely to have a season ending injury on a punt return. But why would you ever put your best player in that position? It's the equivalent of playing two more defensive plays. One special teams play equals two defensive plays in terms of risk. Defense is his job. That's what you hired him to do. And this just, this brings me back to something, a conversation we had in depth last year with Nathaniel Hackett. And Ryan, I was on your side when it came to this argument last year of Nathaniel Hackett wanted to do everything to make sure that his team was as healthy as could be come week one. And so when Nathaniel Hackett was given guys every third day off in terms of intense training camp practices, I was okay for that in the name of health. When Nathaniel Hackett didn't play his starters in the preseason, I was okay with that in the name of health. And then the Broncos come out and they're one of the most injured teams. And it's like, well, can that, you know, did that actually really help? Pat Sertan could easily, and I'm touching all the wood out here, go out there and have that type of injury when he plays over a thousand defensive snaps. If you're putting him out there for the doing their job, it's fine. If someone gets hurt doing their job, it's fine. That's part of the cost of doing business. Why can't this be part of his job? Why can't this be the part of him doing business? Why would why would it be? Why would you put your best player at extra risk? Would you ever put Lamar Jackson back to return punts? If well, that's answer a, that. That's a two different conversation. I'm, I honestly might. There might be a situation. Yeah, I guess they have Devin Duvernay, who's I like mean, one they're, of they're, few starters who's actually still returning punts in the NFL. But he would actually have a chance at making a legitimate impact back there. That's the other thing. And this is what puts the ultimate hammer on this. Pat Sertan isn't some great returner. There's no evidence of him doing that. There's no evidence. And 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 that that's exactly right, Ryan. There is no evidence, but there's only one way to find out. And no, that you don't is ever, you don't need to do that. If he was doing it in college and was amazing at it, like Deion Sanders, then maybe you have that argument. He didn't even do it in college. You want to know why? Because Nick Saban's not an idiot. <laughs> no, it's because they had Jalen Waddle. 
who's like an all-time returner. Okay, well, the Broncos used a draft pick on Montreal, Washington. Yeah, yeah, but he clearly isn't good right now. And before we go any further, I got to tell you about our friends over at Shady Rays, where you mentioned Deion Sanders. Boy, does Deion Sanders look great in sunglasses, wears them all the time. And if you want to look great like Deion, wear Shady Rays, where they're going to give you two pairs at 50% off, two or more pairs if you buy them, and use the code DNVR over on their website. That's two pairs of Shady Rays for 50% off. They have hundreds of styles, and the cool thing is they're all polarized, so that helps your eyes stay healthy, which is really the key why people wear sunglasses is for that polarization to get to have your eyes stay healthy and also block out the sun, and it just doesn't make sense to pay like two or three times more for a different pair of sunglasses that doesn't have the polarized. So check out Shady Rays. Over 250,000 people have given them five-star reviews, and use that exclusive code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of sunglasses. And also head on over and check out our friends at Pins and Aces. Um, Ryan's got the hat on. That's uh, obviously a Pins and Aces hat that you can get from Pins and Aces. And, you can tell because uh, it says Pins and Aces on it. Oh, yeah, wow. That's how, that's how you yeah. can tell. Yeah, it's actually two of a lot of Pins and Aces things. Um, <laughs> if they say Pins and Aces, probably Pins and Aces. Um, if you use the code DMVR, you can actually get 15% off your first order and get free shipping on that hat or – any other thing that you could want. It's the official golf apparel sponsor of DMVR. So they've got all the polos, um, all the like pants, all the, all the different things you could want. The, the head covers. Um, yeah. That, I, I haven't looked at the head covers in a while and they're so weird that you forget exactly what they are. I know that there's one that's like a beer bottle. There's one that's like a Cinco de Mayo special one. and even has like an actual mustache on it. Yeah. Um, Again, like that's just tough. But to wait, remember. is it an actual must? Like, did they shave it off a human and put it on there? Yeah, I actually donated. Uh, wow. <laughs> when did did you just grow that overnight one day? Because I haven't seen you with that long of a mustache ever. Well, they just kind of like weave together. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. There's also or, a or boxing you... glove one. I like that one. Mm, that's yeah. pretty cool. They've got like a bunch of uh, presidents if you want to get political with it, which is always fun on the golf course. <laughs> um, so they all also that... have uh, – I have this one that just has flamingos and palm trees on it. I got it just because every time I look at it, it just makes me happy. Like it's like blue and it has like pink flamingos and green palm trees, and you just can't look at it without being like, man, this makes me think of good times. That's why I got it. It just makes wow. me happy every time I look at it. Jared in the comment section said, is head cover the new cool name for a hat? I'm confused. And I got to say the first 20 seconds of Hank talking about a head cover, I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, Henry, wow. you've already talked about his hat. Why are we talking about head covers? It's because it's just such a weird name. We're talking about the covers that go on the top of your clubs, specifically drivers, right? The head. Yeah. Yes. The, the, the head club. of the club. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But what's confusing about that is, when you use a golf club, you put the head on the ground, and it's like the reverse of a human. I fe feel like that should be called a boot, a boot, a boot of the club. Oh, so you kind of like grab it by the, by the <laughs> exactly, the yes, exactly. So then, when it's standing up, it looks like a human. But it, but it looks way more like a human if you think about the head as a head. But yeah. but you but know? you put the head on the ground. That's like us walking around with you know our feet in the air. But, like, if you go golfing, you're out there for, like, four and a half hours. That club, its head is on the ground for about, like, 90 seconds total. And then it's, it's in your bag with its head up. Uh, yeah, exactly. okay. That's fair. That's fair. You got oh. me. Okay. 
we'll go with it. Um, if you guys want some head covers, um, whether you golf or not, really, they're just this much fun. We get to talk about them. Um, 15% off if you use the code DMVR at pinsandaces.com. That's 15% off and free shipping. Okay, let's get to a little bit more context, unless you Wait, had something really, really quick, quick, Ryan. I just want to point to this. How sick is that? Oh, that's a good oh, one. Oh, baby, that is Also, over here, God, it's really hard to point the opposite Broncos, way. Back-to-back yeah, back yeah, Super Bowl champions. Oh, Got a Buffs oh. one in there. And then that one is from the first ever Rockies game. Wow. Oh, that's pretty cool. I was going to say, is that like a uh, an NL champion Rockies <laughs> banner? But no. uh, that's pretty cool. I do. I should get a Buffs championship one. So then it's like Broncos, back-to-back Super Bowls, Nuggets, right. champions, Buffs, champions. Rockies had a game. Their first game. Good job. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unfortunately so fitting, actually. Um, I've got one myself. Broncos uh, 32 nice. banner Ooh, right nice. there. Um, okay, so let's get to a little more context on Pat Sertan. We talked to special teams coordinator Ben Kotwika. The second day that Pat was back there returning punts. And let's hear what he had to say. Well, you're always looking for depth at various positions, whether it be uh, a core player or somebody on the perimeter. And so, uh, you know, Patrick, we just put back there, you know, looking just to, again, here in the spring, guys, you, you, you're trying different things. Like now is the time to maybe try a different formation in your, in your punt game or try something, try a fake. And so, uh, Patrick going back there catching punts was just something that we want to explore. The cool thing about Patrick is uh, he he wants to be part of special teams. I think Coach Payton, Coach Westoff, myself, we've really you know made it an emphasis. And, and Coach Payton is one of the best teachers that I've seen, just whether it's in offense or defense or situational ball and even special teams. And so everybody is buying in. And so that's really cool to see that out of Patrick. Ben, Ben Kotwika, he, uh, he spent two tours, uh, in, in Afghanistan and Iraq, which is just so, so cool. Flew helicopters. So of course we thank him for his service. It's just a really cool, unique background, but boy, can you tell he comes from that, you know, very disciplined. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Mm, Coach Payton. Sat up in my chair a little bit. I know. know. He's talking about Pat Sertan, who everyone in the world calls him Pat. He's calling him Patrick. Just, uh, just a really cool guy and really funny there. Um, but so, uh, I think we can all take a step back and take a deep breath. Pat Sertan is not going to be the Broncos' primary punt returner. And I think that's pretty clear from talking to Sean Payton uh, and and Ben Cutwika, especially at the beginning of the season. I would be blown away if Pat Sertan, and I'm open for it, but if Pat Sertan's the starting punt returner and he's taken every single punt, that's that's clearly not really the the approach they're taking. And Ryan, like you said, he didn't do it in college. He did do it in high school, but they're not just going to take a guy that's never done this before. And then he's going to be their number one guy. What I think they're doing is can Pat Sertan be special in special situations? Maybe he is the Broncos best punt returner for the team. And he's the most dynamic, just like maybe a keep to was maybe Emmanuel Sanders was, they only use those guys in specific situations. Maybe Pat Sertan, they find out is a normal returner, but he's got the best hands. And so when you just need a fair catch, you're going to use him. So I don't really think while I like the debate of, should he be, your guy that's taken a, a 50 to 100 punt returns. I don't think that's going to be the question with Pat. I really think they're trying to find out, can this guy be special where if we need him one time a game, he's out there, or one time a season, he's that guy. You know, when there's 17 seconds left, you're down five, and the, the other team's punting. If you're putting Pat Sertan to, to try to be special. And that is 
okay. Um, it, it, you know, I'm not going to come out as strongly against that. To be honest, though, I I honestly wouldn't even have him practice it. Uh, even that's too much of a risk for me. Um, so, <laughs> but, uh, what's what's going to happen? Make a finger trying to catch it. Anything could be anything. It's actually what happened to DT. He uh, he returned a kick with Josh McDaniels, and I believe he broke his thumb when he caught it. And obviously, didn't oh. D'Angelo Henderson also? What was that on the catch when he actually yep. hurt himself? First Boy. play as a Bronco, first kickoff <laughs> of the first preseason game, yep. hit off Did his you say thumb. First he and dropped. last, actually, yes, it was. Um, hit off his thumb, like dislocated it, apparently. Um, and never set foot on the field again for the Broncos. <laughs> just, just insane, man. That may be my biggest draft miss of all time. I love D'Angelo Henderson coming out. And he no, also had Carlos Vance. Henderson. Oh yes. Carlos Henderson was we also, also in that draft. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We also yeah. did love D'Angelo and uh, Vance Joseph, who was the head coach of the Broncos, his brother, who coached him also loved him. So I thought that was just a good stamp of approval, but you know, you get to the next off season, he's oh, eating weed, but when he's pulled over in like Louisiana and the, the you know, one thing leads not to two. Not, yeah. I was going to say not no, like the no. Colorado <laughs> version of eating weed. <laughs> no, he was taking the green stuff and eat, eating it as he was pulled over. Yeah. Um, fine. <laughs> don't do that kids. Don't do that. The, no. There are some stories about <laughs> Carlos Henderson that I would not tell on this podcast. It's very true. Um, but my, my um, thing about using him situationally, though, is I feel like you you got to get in a rhythm to do it. Like I don't think you just go out there once. Like I think that having returned ten or fifteen of them, then all of a sudden you kind of have a you're you, you're in a groove, you know. And I think Tyreek Hill kind of showed that because um, he returned punts and kicks his rookie year and it was incredible like he was the best punt returner best kick returner he's the only player in the league with three return touchdowns that year like his punt return average was the same as Devin Hester's for his career like the numbers were just insane um but then the next year he stopped returning kicks and the, the those next two years he only returned punts about half the time and the numbers really dropped off and maybe there's other reasons for that but it I do think that getting into a rhythm and doing it over and over and over again is, I mean, it's just like anything else. Like that's how you get good at it. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want him to get good at it. I want him to continue being the best (laughs) cornerback in all of football. If Um, if he played, if he returned every punt all season, the injury risk would be the same as playing an 18 game season instead of 17. And I don't want him to play an 18 game season. I want him to play 17. That just doesn't Uh, sound so bad to me. We, we are like, talking of, we are talking about a guy that isn't injury prone. Like he's never shown that at any level though. Yeah. So, so I think you add that to it. If this is who's someone that would, would constantly get hurt. If this is a guy that does get hurt, then it's like, yeah, you, you do have to weigh that. But I mean, Hank, when you put it like that, and I think that's the right way to frame it. Yes. There is more of an injury risk when you put him back there because it's another football play, but it's not like he's it's the equivalent playing 34 games. It's the equivalent playing yeah. 18 games. So Hank, it's I not, love the way you put it. Do it's it. Getting like tackled instead of tackling. And that but, is but, more yeah, dangerous. Like it's, that's just the injury risk. Like those are just the numbers. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It just it's likes playing 17 and a half or 18 games at corner. So but it's... I, yeah, it's it's not worth it. Um, and most notably because he has never shown to be great at it. If he was doing it over Jalen Waddle in college, I would be saying, okay, well, 
there's certainly something here that you need to explore and it probably yeah. would have been part of his draft stock. Uh, but we don't know anything about it. I don't even want the risk of him jamming his finger or catching uh, a punt. Just not worth about- it. You wouldn't do it with Patrick Mahomes. You shouldn't do it with Patrick Sertan. What about jamming a gunner instead of jamming his finger? How about that? The only thing I want him jamming are wide receivers. <laughs> I like that. And actually, let's hear from Pat Sertan because he talked about this after the Broncos offseason program wrapped up on the Pat McAfee show. And I haven't heard anyone else in Denver talk about this. Let's hear from Pat. Pat, are we going to get to see you uh, return some kicks this year? I hear there might be a rumor you're, you're doing that a little bit. Don't do that. Why not? Hey, I ain't going to lie. Um, what's, what, the crazy thing about it was it was we was in practice one time and um, – a little bit of info trying came up and he was just asking around like, you know, who punt returned before who had experience of, you know, returning kicks, you know, me being confident, you know, cause I returned to high school, you know, I got some good tape of me in high school. I was like, yeah, shoot, that's me. And, uh, you know, he put me back there without no hesitation. You know, I got some catches in, you know, so, uh, yeah, I feel very comfortable back there, you know, um, yeah, just fair you know, catch it, right? No. Just fair catch it. Nah. Every single nah, time, nah, nah, just nah, nah, fair nah, catch nah, it. Nah. Yeah, it's a win for both, <laughs> you and the nah. punter. We fair catch it. We get the ball. <laughs> we're nah. off the field. You just had a really difficult series on defense. Yeah. Hey, we got to a punt. That's good news. Let's uh, fair catch I, this thing and get the I, fuck off the field. Nah. I'm not trying to be bad there for no reason, though. <laughs> no, you're getting the ball back. Yeah, yeah, you're getting the ball. No, I like that right there. Yeah, this guy was an asshole. As you know, as a returner, no need for that. We don't need you to join yeah, the facts. Yeah, Pat, Pat, no. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's an asshole. I watch you, too. Yeah, we don't need you to be an asshole. Yeah, you know it would be great for you to get back there. I love it. I love it. I mean, it just kind of follows in our conversation of some people. Pat McAfee's like, F no, don't you dare do that. Fair catch it. That's Pat's a special like, teams guy. <laughs> but then you also have Pac-Man there saying, uh, you know, he returned some punts and he's like, yeah, Pat, you should do it. And I love that Pat's like, if I'm back there, it's not to fair catch. It's to do something. That makes me want it that. even less. <laughs> <laughs> and no. I, I think not, Pat didn't, you know, fully say this, but I do get the sense that Pat's not going to be the full-time returner, but I do get the sense that Pat thinks he can do something special. And of course, any football player, especially an all pro uh, at any position is going to think they can do something special on the football field. But if I, I see this is where we're kind of drawing the line. I see this is the role for Pat is emergency situations. If your first three guys go down, then Pat's the one to go back there and and depending on the position of the game, Sean Payton may say, you're fair catching the ball. You're not going to take a hit. And if you do, you're never doing this again. Or he says, we we really need a touchdown here. Pat, we think you're more dynamic uh, than Montreal Washington, than Marvin Mims, um, than Traquan Smith, um, and, or Traymond Smith. And that then he's back there. So I, I think that there is a role for him. And the funny thing is, in this conversation, Ryan, I think, it sounds like you don't want him to do it at all unless it's like one time a season. Henry, you're like, I want him to do it more times. And if he's not going to do it consistently, then I don't want him to do it. And I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I don't want him to do it ever. I don't want him to think about it even once. <laughs> wow. Oh, he's thinking about I mean, he's the one volunteering. I know. Those are wasted thoughts. He should be thinking about <laughs> covering receivers. Wow. He doesn't even need to think about that. He's fine. Uh, that's very true. I, uh, I was also curious and just look back. There's only four 
starters in the NFL who returned punts last year, like consistently. So I just use like the list pro football reference, like the qualified returners, which is like the top 15 or 20 in total returns. That's Devin Duvernay, Hunter Renfro, Desmond King, and Khalif Raymond, who it'd be nice if the Broncos still just had Khalif Raymond because that, that, that could solve all these problems. And it turns out he's actually a good receiver too. But and a really so nice it's, just guy. Like, it's like trended down. So in 2020, C.D. Lamb and Christian Kirk were both doing it. Um, before that, Tariq Cohen and Deontay Johnson. Um, before that, like all these same guys were doing it. But also uh, Tyler Lockett, Tyreek Hill, Julian Edelman, Jabril Peppers, Christian Kirk, Tariq Cohen, still obviously like Desmond King, Andre Roberts. Year before that, Christian McCaffrey was the punt returner. Year before that, Antonio Brown and Jarvis Landry and Patrick Peterson were all returning on top of those other guys who kept returning for a couple years after. Um, but in that same time, the touchdowns, because nobody good's returning, have dropped off. So total touchdowns in the NFL from punt returns in 2015 was 13 and then 10, then 10, then seven, then seven, then eight, then two, then three. So I, I do think that if you put a good player back there, you're getting at least a touchdown out of them because basically everybody who did do that got at least one touchdown out of the guy they put back there. And the rules haven't really changed. Like this isn't a rules thing. This is just people being scared to play their best players as returners. Another thing is go through the whole season uh, on punt return unit with zero touchdowns and zero turnovers. Great season. That's not what Mike Westhoff says. <laughs> and that's Great. exactly it, Henry. Mike Westhoff was, br- was brought in here to turn the Broncos special teams completely around. And he says, I'm here for a short time and I'm going to turn this thing around. He wants to be number one, which is just wild. But I think that's why, especially if Pat's willing to do it, like special teams coordinator said, then I think I think they're they're going to try to use him. So I think we see Pat Sertan not only do would I be okay with it, but I do think we see him return at least one punt this year. Do you guys think it actually happens? Yeah, I think it happens when they're like down one touchdown with 45 seconds left and they're getting a punt. I saw there was like a, the, the newspaper in Miami, whoever their columnist is, like the week before their last game when they were eight and eight, they wrote a whole big thing about like, it's time to put Tyreek Hill at punt returner. Like you just need a chance for this one. So I think it's, it's like a situation like that where it's like the Broncos are seven and eight and the season's on the line and maybe throw them back there and just see what happens. I I'll say yes. I'll say yes. We see it, but it's not more than like three times this season. There we go. I absolutely love it. And Henry, you know what else I saw in the, in the Miami newspaper last week, very random. Breckenridge beer. It was just all wow. over their newspaper. And I was like, damn, this is just another good reminder to get the best beer in the newspapers? world. Um, yeah, I'm they do love hey. newspaper. You can't hey, not bad mouth newspapers. I'm, I just didn't just know a, they were still making them. This is a those. crazy world. I mean, not only are they making newspapers, Ryan, they're still making books. And did you know <laughs> that yeah. we're making books now? Yeah, I they still have paper and printers and stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> when um, I saw when I saw that we were making a book, I was like, "What is going on here in this world?" I know everything comes full circle. And as I <laughs> joked in the Slack, like people get ten times as excited for you when you do something like make a book or go on television um, <laughs> than like host the most popular Broncos podcast in the history of the world. 
It's just because people wow. are podcasts. It feels like they've been around forever since we've done like 10,000 of them. Yeah. But in reality to, to media, they're still very new. I mean, like most people didn't know what a podcast was when we started this seven years ago. And now most people know what it is, but still how long have newspapers been around like 150 years. So in comparison, people, it is still very new media. I also yeah. love saying in the history of the world. Yep. We beat out all like the, <laughs> like French Broncos podcast from the seventies. The Romans Broncos podcast were ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't do these numbers. No, they certainly couldn't. And also the beer back in the Roman empire was ass, especially compared to Breckenridge brewery. So you got to check out our friends over at Breckenridge brewery, the official beer of DNVR. And finally guys, happy summer. It is June 21st, the first day of summer which officially, officially, officially kicks off Strawberry Sky season, Mountain Beach Sour season. It is an incredible beer. So is Broncos Country Ale. So check them all out when you're gearing up to training camp. Get some Broncos Country Pale Ale coming over from our friends over at Breck Brew. So check them out, breckbrew.com for their beer locator. That's breckbrew.com to find the Broncos Country Pale Ale near you. Also, it's full-time patio season now at uh illegal pete's they have the uh the misters out there so even if it's hot like today you get that mist on on you and it feels so good you get a margarita uh and then yesterday for like the first time in i don't know a week i had a steak and queso burrito from illegal pete's and (laughs) every time i have it it's like uh, i get re-addicted like it's all i can think about even as soon as i'm hungry again after i eat it like right now, it's 10 a.m. I want an, a steak and queso burrito from Illegal Beats. Like that's what I want yes. to eat. It's so good. Um, so find out what your order is at, at Illegal Pete's. You can go steak and queso burrito. You can go reverse nachos. You can go quesadilla, uh, as these two guys love to do. So nice something, for ev- something for everyone, yes. <laughs> Nothing light like a pan-fried tortilla full of cheese. Well, comparatively. <laughs> With the most grease you've seen in the world, which makes it oh, delicious. So, good. Uh, uh, so anyways, we get had over. Pizza yesterday. I had pizza yesterday, and I'm probably yeah. going to have it today again. So uh, get over to Illegal Pete's. Enjoy the longest happy hour in town, 3 to 8 p.m. Get out there on the patio. Get you a steak and queso burrito and a margarita. And I just got to remind people, they have full bottles of champagne which they pull in a carafe and pour a little bit of orange juice in. And they call it a mimosa for $10 for brunch, ten oh. fifty, I think. So you got to check out Illegal wow. Pizza. It's funny. I was at the bar and a lady ordered one mimosa. I was at Illegal Pizza Bar and a lady ordered one mimosa and the bartender's like, for $5 more, you get a whole bottle. And she's like, fine, I'll do it. And she looks at <laughs> she's like, I guess I'm getting re-drunk right now. <laughs> <laughs> So we would, check out our friends at Illegal Pete's. We almost had it last night, but then somebody at the last minute decided we were going to have Chinese food. And this is making like, so I regret, I yeah. immediately regretted that decision. But now after hearing more about it, it's just painful. Yeah. <laughs> I did get a fortune that says my wisdom will influence others though. So was hey, that? want to go oh, to Illegal Pete's wow. after we go golfing today? Fuck it. Hell yeah. Wow. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh Pat Pat McAfee already ruined that for us today. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> also, Isn't like it, you know the Greeks thing? when they had their Broncos podcast, they weren't cursing. Times have changed. 
Imagine I mean, that's a good point. That word to the Greeks. Be crazy. That's a pretty easy one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> also, it's like PG-13 movies can only drop the F-bomb once, is what I've heard. Really? Yeah, so oh, you're allowed just, one. I would have just well, thought none. Our I would have thought it was none also. But apparently, like, there's this whole big thing where, like, the people who make those movies really put a lot of thought into when to use it because mm-hmm. that's, like, the maximum, like, when I'd do love you, to be in that conversation. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just have – you know how there's always, like, 500 people in the credits that work on a movie? There's sure, just, yeah. like, one F-bomb <laughs> – uh, the, producer, the <laughs> bomb consultant. Right, this is the climax of the movie right here. This is where you need to use it. And it would have to say f bomb. It couldn't actually say the f word because you've right. already used it. Wow. Unless, unless the guy said, actually, you don't need it in this one. Right. Man, that is great. And you know what else is great? Talking to our friends in the comment section. So we hit some comments. First one coming in from our battle. Luke says, friends, to resolve something from earlier this week. Okay, Ryan, I got a question for you. The country Monaco. Yes. What would their people be called? <laughs> because um, Henry and I, boy, did we F it up. Yeah. What are the odds somebody from Monaco is listening right now? I mean, Monacans sounds too much like mannequins. Um, so it's not that. Um, I'm going to say Monacoans. I think I think that's mm. what we said. It sounds wrong. Hank, do you have any other guesses? I don't. I really struggled. But I did finally remember that somebody commented, instead of saying Pat Sertan, said Pastor Tan. <laughs> and I just <laughs> want to make sure that we don't let... I'm so happy I remembered. But back to Monaco. No, 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 no. Can, can we, uh, maybe that's Pat's new nickname? Do you think we can get that one going? Do you Pastor. think he'd embrace that? Pastor we, Tan? We, we gotta make the shirt, Pastor Tan. And it's him, like, <laughs> as, like, a pastor or something. Like a little Jesus halo above him, and he's picking off a ball or something. <laughs> I like that. Um, okay, so the natives of Monaco are referred to as Monegasque. What? Dumb. Monagask. Yeah. Monagask. Talk about him now. It, it doesn't make sense at all. He says that's a very fun fact. That is a really interesting fact. I would says, say okay, it's the one... opposite of fun. It kind of pisses me off. Exactly. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I agree with you. So, Arvada Luke, thanks for pissing Ryan off at the end of the podcast. He goes on and says, I'm once again very excited for the season, naturally, and unfortunately, locally, we have plenty of disbelievers in the Broncos right where we want them. I think after this expectations conversation, people are definitely <laughs> believing in the Broncos locally, at least. He it's goes not, on and says, <laughs> It's not that you believe it's going to happen. It's that they need to make it happen. Right. Man, the way people are talking, they seem like they'll be disappointed if it doesn't happen. They he will. goes on and says, common, Which is, yeah. When it expectations when expectations don't line up with um reality it's it's you're gonna have a bad time yep i mean when you're five and eleven or five and twelve last year odds are you're gonna have a bad time the next year. if you say something like i don't think the broncos are gonna make the playoffs but i'll be pissed if they don't uh you're gonna have a bad time that's that's why sports are pain that's why it's just painful until good things finally happen i'm all for uh sports vulnerability 
Um, mm-hmm. But I'm also all for lining up expectations with what you think is going to happen. I mean, aren't the Buffs kind of in a perfect position? Not just having Dion, but I mean, they're over-under blows my mind being set at three and a half so like the your expectations might be a little higher but like the natural expectations are eight or three and a half that like you should absolutely hit that and then you should also go over that but like broncos we're just talking the nine and eight is just half game over what vegas's line is so like national expectations have also been set high so now fans expectations go even over that and it's like whoa let's cool it also i think the buffs are at a flat three not even three and a half Wow. That... Uh, I got him at three and a half when the Nuggets won. They got, oh, the... Yeah, they got but, the I mean... Nuggets vibes and they were like, oh shit, Colorado, <laughs> every team is lit. So except for the Rockies. It was kind of nice though, because it was like plus 140 or something. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so get I like juice. that. Yeah. Arvada Luke rounds out and says, my hot take is Denver sports have been thriving off the underdog narrative since 2015. Personally, I much prefer rooting for an underdog, I believe, into a front runner. 2013 was a painful experience. Plus, you get better odds when you bet on the dog. Arvada Luke. I also, with yeah. that Bronco or Nuggets money, put down a future on the Broncos Super Bowl. It was... I- it's not because I think it'll happen. It's because if it does happen, I want to make money. I put the money that I won off the Nuggets right back to where the hole in my bank account was from buying finals tickets. <laughs> well, that helps a lot. Yeah. I mean, what a cool yeah. experience to have. They covered um, tickets and then some. Yeah, they yep. certainly did. Oh, man, I wish I was betting when Tim Tebow was around because you would always be getting good odds. And it would just make it that much more fun. Can you imagine just every <laughs> week Broncos plus 600 going into the fourth quarter? Uh, and you're like, something weird's going to make this happen. And yep. then you just smash it. Um, two more quick comments. The count says, folks act like Travis Kelsey is the first tight end to virtually be undefendable. If they had watched the Broncos back in the day, they might remember such games as Broncos versus Chiefs October 20th 2002 when one Shannon Sharp caught 12 balls for 214 yards and two scores from Brian Greasy. Uh, the record also in that game, Kevin Casper, raise your hand if you remember that name, had eight kick returns for 179 yards, a.k.a. 22 yards per average. I don't remember the last time we had a consistent field position advantage like that. Oh, yeah, the Broncos won that day 34 to 37 despite a monster game from Priest Holmes. Holy cow. So two players on the Broncos av- combined for over 400 yards? That is insane. Um, a random Kevin Casper anecdote. Um, uh, so Sp- Spencer and I became friends, like, I don't know, whatever, three or four years ago. Um, and randomly one day we were talking about Broncos training camp being in Greeley. And both of us were like, yeah, I went one time. Like, it was cool. I was like... A- we were talking about it and I was like, the the biggest thing I remember from my trip, my one trip to Greeley was that I got Kevin Casper's autograph that day. And Spencer was like, what the hell? That's my memory from when I went up to Greeley. And we were just like, were we both in Greeley on the same exact day? The one time we ever went to training camp there and it was Kevin Casper autograph day. Or was he just the nicest player around? I, I don't know. Was he just always signing autographs? I remember they did it differently back then. You like, they like set up a couple players at tables and then you got in line Mm. to like walk through. Maybe he just was always volunteering to be at that table. 
we might need to do some uh, training camp autograph rankings at some point this summer. Which autographs are the most desirable? John Elway. Oh, you mean like nowadays? Training camp this Mm, year. I like that. I like that. Yeah, we have six weeks of offseason before that. And last comment around is not coming in from Nash Broncos. is what we learned from DNVR Broncos, nothing. You boys need to say more unhinged things so I can tank them out of context. He says, my question for today, what style of offense did the visor run in his time with the ants? We've had a lot of conversations about how he'll Oh, it's the ants. Sorry. Yes, yes. There we go. (laughs) It's like, maybe I don't know Sean as well as I thought I did. He said, we've had a lot of conversations about how he'll run the ball or how he won't. I can't remember anyone actually defining his offensive style besides being pass heavy. It's a weird one. Um, It comes from the West Coast. Like it is that side of things, but it just got changed so much. because, Like he revolutionized. At one point, they started calling it the Gulf Coast offense, but that didn't catch on. And then Tulane might have stolen it. There, there was somewhere around there where it really caught on, and so it's not really called the Gulf Coast anymore. But I was telling Zach, I actually I was able to find the no Kate's coast offense, no coast <laughs> offense. Ooh, or that's the me now. Cherry Creek Reservoir Coast offense. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. It really has a ring to it. I found. Sean's playbook from 2000 when he was the offensive coordinator of the Giants you, like, a couple rummaging days ago. through his office? <laughs> no, I was rummaging through the Thanks internet. about to be murdered. Yeah, maybe if you were done making books and started checking out this new internet thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you can find it. But yeah, I haven't been able to find one that's more recent than that, but I did get pretty deep into that one. And it is, like, it is West Coast offense base, but it just gets so, it gets weird. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to categorize anything because it really just depends on what the defense is doing the way that he's going to do it. I would maybe even add the qualifier of West Coast spread in a lot of situations. But They'll do everything. Right, exactly. You, I mean, they have a fullback on the team. So yeah, um, yeah. there's no really – West Coast influenced is like the best thing you can really say. Should yep. we just name it the Taysom Hill offense? Do you think Sean would really appreciate that? No, it's called the No Coast offense. <laughs> the No Coast offense. I absolutely yeah. love it. This is the No Coast DNVR Broncos podcast. It is. Uh, Maybe we should save the No Coast offense name until it works. Like the fine. next kind of West Coast sort of offense that works here. Because we shouldn't waste it. Like if it turns out, I don't think the offense is going to suck this year, but it sucked last year, so there's a chance. If we call it the no coast offense, and then we're just like, oh, it's like let's ride. Now we have to kill. I it. might just use it for the buffs because they're more brandable. <laughs> Maybe West Coast though. Ah, uh, not really. That's well, the thing. Not, what? What? It's dip, not they're... the West Coast. It's the no coast. <laughs> I think Sean <laughs> Lewis is calling it, it. Uh, the buff fast offense because um, like he breakfast? wants to go really fast. No, oh. um, I forget what he was calling it at the. At his last place. His whole thing is tempo. Like they just they run more plays than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you need thing. to help you need to help him out with a good name. I tried actually. I had a good one. I forget what it was. But... <laughs> oh, I think oh, I just called cool. it the Stampede offense. Oh, which that makes sense I mean, for that's... going fast. Uh, I, I offered it up. I tagged him and everything. He decided Damn, to go no buff response? fast. 
Damn. And you know, Stampede, it's a good one because you're the Buffaloes. Oh, yes, that was yeah, the Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That is true. It helped you with that connection there. Just like how this hat, you know, it's pins and aces because it says it. Yeah, that boom. Exactly. And, and your shirt, you know, it's DNVR because it says it. it. There wow. we go. <laughs> um, I also was talking to Greg Minuski last week, the linebackers coach. That was like that day all the assistant coaches were out there. And he, he's been the defense coordinator of the 49ers and the Chargers and the Colts and Washington, which had a different name at the time. Um, but uh, he was saying the pace of Sean Payton's offense is what makes it so tough. And that just reminded me because he's always just like doing all these different things and the speed is so different. Um, but even like you have to pay attention to the personnel changes every single play. Like you just have to be like super locked in. You can't screw up once when you see like, Oh, mm-hmm. Dulcich is coming off. Uh, Judy's coming off, but Samaje is coming on and I don't know. KJ is coming on. So where does that yeah. leave us? And you have to make all the switches every single time, like 65 times. And if you screw up, three or four of them, then that's three or four plays that you just botched against Sean Payton, which does not go well. Yep. Then you have an inside linebacker going up against Marvin Mims in the slot, and you know you're effed. Exactly. He's like, that's just something that you have to do against Sean Payton that you don't have to pay nearly as much attention about against anybody else. That's a great point. Great point. Lots of great points today on the DMVR Broncos podcast. This was actually a really fun one. As most people know, I'm very um, anti-remote podcast, but I would say we rose to the occasion today. There's no water (laughs) in the building, so. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which which I wouldn't have cared about. (laughs) Me too. My first thought was like, what, I can't wash my hands? I didn't even think about how, like, you can't flush the toilet. Yeah. Right, right, That's right. It's like, it was like can we just bottle. get some hand sanitizer and a water bottle? And then I was like, <laughs> exactly. oh, right, right. The toilets. That's a thing, too. Yeah. You really yeah, have to go. Yeah. You just finish your water bottle. Yeah. I like how uh, the company, the or company, official company Slack was calling it. So we can't poo poo and pee pee. So we must go remote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, was, it was mentioned multiple times in there. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's a good place for us to end this show. <laughs> Probably. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow on the DMVR Broadcast Podcast. Flying cotton